Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic. My name is Brian Stanford. I'm coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina. And today on Modern Gnostic, we're doing something a little bit different than our typical thing. I sat down to have a great conversation with my friend and coworker, John Barley. And we talked about a controversial subject, and that subject being pornography. Uh, Both John and I have consciously given up pornography and have been free, largely, from the chains of pornography for the last couple of years. We've been talking about uh, the effect that had on us in our personal lives, and I decided that I really wanted to sit down with him and record one of these conversations. I think this issue, as you'll hear in the episode, has a profound effect on our spiritual being, the cultural um, kind of disintegration I think we're seeing in our society, and on the upside is an example of an alchemical tool. Giving up pornography can serve as an alchemical tool to really elevate the spiritual man. So get something good to drink, kick back and relax. This is a long one for modern Gnostic, but don't be intimidated by that. Dive in, and I think you'll find something very useful. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, so I'm here today uh, sitting at the counter at the house with my good friend, John Barley. Um, John and I work here in Asheville at Trader Joe's. That's how we met. Um, John's an interesting spiritual philosophical guy, and I've been wanting to have you over for a while um, now to talk about this topic of uh, sex and pornography mm-hmm. that we've been kind of hitting on at work, um, and also the you know spiritual connections to that because you and I seem seem to have uh, like connected at work over discussions of spirituality mm-hmm. and philosophy and. Um, all of that kind of stuff. So we sat down today, made a couple of bullet points, and we're just going to record and see where this goes. So um, I guess the, the way to start is I'm not even sure how you and I got on um, the topic, but talking about that we had both consciously given, given up um, watching pornography. Mm. Um, and for me, it's been, uh, I guess going on two years okay um although there was definitely some some um uh, hiccups there of course in the beginning (laughs) of course with anything uh and i would say it's been real constant for me for about a year and a half Hmm. um uh how what's that path been like for you well in general i don't really feel like i've had much of a intense relationship with pornography in general like I, th- I think I had I always had a uh, it was linked with some level of guilt or oh, I shouldn't be doing this or whatever so I think in general it was always something that I knew if I was engaging in it wasn't like a good thing right. so I've never really watched a lot of porn but I think the older that I've gotten um, the more I've thought of it beyond just my own personal relationship with it but like how it's affecting society how it's affecting like it's a it's a big deal right in the world it's a big deal in our country it's a it's an industry so like what does that mean um and of course you know like you were saying hiccups like there are definitely times that i've i've watched porn but like it's never really been a big part of my life 
until recently where I've just been thinking about how it fits into to our society. Mm. So um, I would say in general where I've like specifically tried to like not watch it at all, even randomly, I would say for a couple of years. For a couple of years. Yeah. And how old are you? I'm 32. 32. So you're 32. I'm 47. Um, <clears throat> when I was growing up, uh, porn was, you know, there was, when I was a kid, first of all, for quite a while, there was no VHS. People didn't have <laughs> VCRs in their home till I was already a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so porn, I remember always be, it was like magazines and it was either, you know, like you found a magazine that someone's dad had. Somewhere or, out in the woods. Somewhere out in the <laughs> woods, right? The woods is a really weird thing. And I've heard Joe Rogan mention this too, that oh, I totally. definitely remember like finding people's stashed all the time, in the all woods. the time. But the, the internet wasn't a place you could hide. Yeah. So you had to hide in the woods. Hide it in the woods. <laughs> That's such house. a strange so, thing. It's one of the earliest memories I have involving porn was finding some uh, random treehouse out in the woods. I was there, I was out there with uh, my little brother Justin, who's three years younger than me. We were just walking around in the woods and like found like, oh cool a treehouse, and I was like okay cool well I'm gonna check make sure it's safe I'm gonna climb up in there and I'll let you know, and. Uh, I climbed up and uh, there was like this like wooden crate or something yeah. <laughs> and nothing else. Yeah, it's some treasure. So I was chest. like, uh, okay, cool, treasure, whatever. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I was just like, that was the first time that I was, it was alarming where I was just like, oh my God, naked people. <laughs> so my brother's like climbing up and I'm like, dude, don't come up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was immediately this thing that I had never talked about, but like I already knew that I was like, oh, I shouldn't be seeing this. Like, so, mm. and I don't even know why, because like I don't really feel like, I had maybe heard the term pornography as a kid, but like vaguely, I wouldn't have known what it was. But for some reason, like finding it, I knew exactly what this was. It was strange. I, I grew up really sheltered. So like pornography was never like something that like I never found like an uncle's stash or like parents or, or whatever. For me, it was more like randomly out in the woods and you'd find it. You're like, that's weird. That's crazy. Or, you know, like... I, I worked at a uh, I worked at a mall um, and there was like a, a Barnes and Noble and like it was kind of known that like they would get rid of their inventory and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So like you would see it like somebody had dug through the trash and like you'd see it like out or whatever. Right. But it was always like this thing of like you would never want to be caught with that. So yeah. like I don't know. Even that being said, like I feel like my whole initial context of pornography in general before even the internet was just kind of the same. Like you'd randomly find something like out in a random place. Yeah. And feel weird about it. <laughs> right. So you grew up with a pretty, um, I mean, would you, would you classify it as like a strict religious upbringing? Oh yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Uh, I don't know now how I would really define it because it's kind of more vague as far as what made it different than like Southern Baptist. A lot of people are really familiar with the Southern Baptist world. It's, it's huge. Right. It affects culture in the South and all that. But um, it was like another couple levels more strict than Southern Baptist. So like Southern Baptists were like liberal. <laughs> Compared to... <laughs> which, yeah, exactly, which is right. crazy. But right. uh, yeah, so we would, I think they would refer to it as independent fundamental uh, Baptist. I think the main difference is basically that they they weren't part of a organization. There was no like church government that they had to answer to. So each it was almost like a franchise. Mm. Instead of being a part of a corporation, you you were like a standalone. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's kind of the way they, there was nobody, nobody telling them what to do. But in that being said, I think there, there could be churches in that same affiliation that were much less strict. It just so happened to be the one that I was raised in was pretty, uh, I, I think a term I've used before is legalistic. Like it was all about the rules. It was all about not messing up. It was like how you looked, what you did, mm. what you're connected to, who you hang out with. So pornography was just kind of like, oh, no, of course you don't watch pornography. Like, right. you don't even talk about it. Right. So um, did you get much messaging about sex or sexuality or masturbation or? Not really. Mm. Um, the only thing, I think I was 12 when my mom gave me a book called Almost 12 or something like that. Mm. It was just like a brief introduction to like what sex was, like your body's changing kind of kind of book. Yeah. Never really even had a conversation about it. Uh, she just kind of like, here, you should read this. And that was it. Yeah. Um, and then years later, I think I was like 15 maybe, uh, my dad tried to talk to me. And I was like, so, do you know about right, <laughs> and I was right. like, no, no, no. I, mom gave me a book years ago. Don't worry about it. Right. So you, I think there was a mutual relief of like, yeah. oh, God, <laughs> we don't have to talk about this. Right. But um, yeah, so that was kind of it. Like, uh, I think in general... As I was figuring out what sex was and, you know, sexuality becoming like a, a topic was more, I would say, most influence was just like peers. Like mm. you, you would talk to your friends about it. Right, right. I mean, at that time, at the beginning, you were like, have you seen a boob before? Right, <laughs> so right. It's just like, uh, if, if there was a kid in the neighborhood that knew where porn was, like that was crazy to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not grow up in a religious household uh, pretty much at all with any kind of strictness. I mean, my mother is, is Christian. My father would call himself an atheist. And so we never, we always had mixed, uh, mixed religious message. And my father would never allow, um, us to be like forced to go to church or forced to go to Sunday school or anything like that. So my sister would go because she enjoyed it. And I just absolutely didn't because I didn't How enjoy old were you it. When your sister started going, I guess my, my sister's four years younger than I am, and she would go with my mom probably for the time that my sister was in middle school. And I and think how much older like, you say she was? I'm four years. Oh, older oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Oh, so that must have been weird. Yeah, it was like oh, I missed a step. <laughs> like I, I never did that. Yeah, know? yeah, and we never. I don't feel I definitely was never taught that sex was bad or that my body was dirty or that masturbation was wrong. Like there was did you never talk about it though. No, there, but there really wasn't much discussion about things. I so it was the first time you remember even like not coming across pornography, but like knowing what pornography was. I think I was in elementary school oh, wow. and lived next door um, to some friends. It was three brothers, and there was a brother who oh, was so my age, and then there was a brother who was about six years older than him, and oh. then a brother who was about six years older than him. Mm. So the oldest one at, at that time was probably like 16 or 17. Okay. So I remember finding... Um, like I think a Playboy or a penthouse that he had, and the kid had, or he like stole the, the it from sixteen somebody. year old had. I know, who knows where he got it mm. from. Um, <laughs> and I remember having the same feeling that you described of like, oh, this is forbidden. There's something forbidden about Stock this. magic. <laughs> yeah, but it was also attractive. And I remember I tore out the page, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't porn compared to today's standards. It was like a topless. We'll get to that. Woman. Yeah. And uh, I folded it up 
and I didn't even have anything to bury it in the ground. So you like gave it to you? No, I tore it out. Oh, you tore it out. Gotcha. And uh, I just buried it in the ground, like the magazine page, all folded up. And I would just kind of go out and and I wasn't masturbating or anything. I was still too young. I think. Yeah, like I said, it's just like I want to see what a boob. Yes, I would. I would (laughs) open it up and look at it and. You know, within a week, like the picture was deteriorating because of I course. didn't bury it in anything. No. And I remember very vividly trying to draw it <laughs> because I knew That's it was amazing. it was falling apart. And so I was trying to draw it. And so like I And this is how art happens. Yeah. <laughs> this rough uh, outline of a woman with like two plates, you like, know, two yeah, circles. I see where he was going with that, but uh... And feeling like, oh, this is this is absolutely not mm. the same. And that that was my um introduction. I guess my introduction to porn. And then it was, my dad did not have porn, um, in the house in later years, another neighbor, oddly, this was two brothers. Um, and they had, uh, uh, they were in a single parent home. It was their father. Their mother wasn't there. And the father just had like an entire collection of, uh, porn, like VHS. But this was like known in the household or like, it was like a, Oh, guess what? It was kind of an oh, guess what? Okay, and like okay, okay. you know, when their dad was at that work would be or whatever. Crazy, but it's just like yeah. Oh, don't go down in the in the den. That's Daddy's porn stash room. No, but <laughs> he definitely had a porn stash, and that was I think the first time that I saw you know very um, explicit uh, representations of mm. sex. You know, pe- videos of people having sex, um, and so that was before. I had ever even really kissed a girl. Hmm. Um, uh, And so I I always wonder in what ways those early images shaped, uh, you know, shaped my desires. Oh, way more than you even knew. Well, it's curious. And and this is for for people who are listening to this. I'm sure my audience is not a pearl clutching audience, but I, I do feel a need to to just preface because I know sometimes my mom listens to these. Um, <laughs> that you might hear Mine some things in here that are disturbing. But one of the things that I've thought about quite recently is like, you know, porn is so characterized by like the money shot and the man like mm-hmm. ejaculating on the woman or mm-hmm. ejaculating on the woman's face or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, I've really, and for years I desired that in my sense. You think you desired it because you saw it? Absolutely. Because and I thought for a long time it was like a chicken and egg thing. Like which came first, the desire to ejaculate on a woman's breasts or the porn representation of ejaculating on a woman's breasts? I have no idea how to even do the math there, but I think that definitely they're affecting each other. Well, there's some actually some interesting articles written about this. And what they are saying is that in when filming pornography um, in the early days, the man would ejaculate inside the woman mm-hmm. and but there's no ending there's no climax there's no money shot with that so then there was like a definite period that's in the history of porn where it was like okay now the man is going to ejaculate outside of the woman and this is going to be the climax of the scene and it's a visible thing so this is a thing that actually has a history um it, it, it actually that must have been such a crazy moment in oh yeah in history especially we used to be a much more conservative country. Like that thing must have set off like alarm bells for a lot of people that I was, you know, the, I would yeah. never have heard of this growing up. Right. Um, but I think that happening, like that would have been 
insane to think about that even happening. Right. So now, with all of the stuff that's on the internet, like, I can't even... It seems like that experience that you're describing is almost like a diet version of what kids must experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's... I think, and we'll get into this later in our conversation, but I think it's deeply troubling what yeah. what young kids are seeing at a, just have a exposure to like yes. access to yes at, at their fingerprint so our both of our early access was compared to kids coming up now our early access was very gentle and benign compared to like we both found magazines Fairly. yeah um uh and i know um so we were going to talk about what our relationship with porn was and kind of how it developed over time. For me, um, I never owned, uh, I never owned porn movies or anything like that. Um, I always felt embarrassed buying porn magazines, but I, I definitely had some as a younger man. And then I, I would, you know, use them for masturbating, even when I had girlfriends and would, you know, look at pictures and all of that kind of stuff, but didn't really watch movies. There were a couple of girlfriends that like, we would rent a porn movie and like watch it together. And then I went to prison. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Crazy. And then I went to prison in my thirties and that really transformed my relationship to porn uh, because porn, as most people could probably imagine, um, porn magazines, not movies, those didn't, don't exist in prison, but porn magazines were like a huge underground economy in Texas prisons because uh, during the time that I was in prison, they actually made porn illegal in prison. Like you couldn't, so like when I first got to prison, you could get porn in the mail. You could have a subscription to whatever magazine you wanted and it could, you could get it in the mail. And then about two years into my sentence, they changed those rules. You know became, why? Like why that... Because uh, it's kind of like, you're locked up, why do you give a fuck? Well, and at the <laughs> well, time I, I thought it was really... Re- oh yeah, totally. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, at the time I thought it was really ridiculous, and it probably is, but I think their thinking on it was what you and I have kind of recognized is like people are being exposed to like increasingly more extreme, extreme images uh-huh. through porn magazines, and people they were scared of having a captured group of felons, you know, just consuming Emulating all the time. whatever they're seeing. Right, right. But, and when was this? Uh, this was, I went to prison in 2003. Okay, so. Um, uh, and the porn that was in prison was very extreme. It, it was very explicit um, right. porno magazines, like, like, you know, pretty underground, you know, not the kind of stuff that you would have found at Barnes and Noble, but that you would have to go to like an adult bookstore to get. So when porn became illegal in prison, everybody who had been in prison for a while and had like a stash of it went to like extraordinary lengths to hide and, and keep their, their porn magazines. And it, and it really was a a piece of the underground economy. Like Mm -hmm. you could sell individual pictures out of a magazine for 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 I mean it was like money you know it was like money it's a more than cigarettes kind of situation or equal to mm. right so I was a heavy consumer of porn when I was in prison and I started really to think of porn as like this sexually liberating thing and I I would see things in the porn for, for yourself for myself and I, I can remember very clearly thinking like okay when I get out of prison. 
I want to have the kind of partner who's like sexually liberated and exploratory and wants to have like wild, crazy sex. Not conservative. Not conservative. <laughs> and I used to joke that like, you know, when I get out of prison, I'm just going to have um, uh, a couple of copies of this, these porn magazines like on my coffee table. And when a girl comes over for a date, that's going to be my... Um, barometer <laughs> as yeah, it's my litmus test as to whether insane, she was like a, a dateable person, and wow. uh, and of course I I didn't do that. But when I'm I glad. when I got, yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy for you. When I got out of prison, internet porn like when I that was the other thing. When I went into prison in 2003, people were just or people I knew were just starting to have the internet in their houses. Okay, and we're not experts at all, but like. Do you know even, like, what that time frame was? Because I know it exploded once it happened. But, like, the internet was a thing for a while before, like, even the concept of internet porn was, like, a thing. But, like, even, like, by the time Seinfeld came around, like, it was, like, they were joking about it. Like, I gotta get on that internet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So at what point did, like, it turn from, like, a thing that you found in the woods to, like, a billion-dollar industry? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a really good question. If I was just going to guess, I would I would guess somewhere between 2006 and 2009. That's crazy cuz like just to think about it in terms of like decades, like that's not that long ago. And now it's like very quickly and and I know we'll get to it, but like a very quickly becoming a slippery slope to like all kinds of stuff. Yes. And so when I got out of prison, there was internet porn and and I had never experienced this before, and and porn became quite a big part of my life. Like I would outside of prison, outside of prison, even when I was in my in my first um, in my marriage, uh, I would watch porn. Um, you know, it was something that my my ex wife knew about. She watched porn sometimes. It was no big deal. We mm-hmm. thought of ourselves as like liberated, free people who you know could talk openly about these kinds of things and engage openly with these kinds of things. And so I watched I watched a lot of um, uh, internet porn for years and years and years. And I guess it was around two. I guess maybe three years ago, I started to hear. I think it was Jordan Peterson talk about mm-hmm. the ways um, porn was affecting men's minds and the way that they conceived of and viewed women. And after my divorce, I went through a, sh- a period where I was not intentionally avoiding porn, but I was just so destroyed from my divorce that I just wasn't interested in porn or sex or anything. And so I, (laughs) yeah. And so I got away from watching porn and I realized at that point how my view of women was changing. And I never thought I had a bad view of women. I've never been the kind of person that calls a woman a bitch or I never thought that I objectified women or anything like that. I always thought that sex was sacred. I always, I've never had a one night stand or a hookup. I always wanted deep relationship associated with sex but when i got away from porn i realized i started to see how much it actually was influencing the way i even looked at women okay let me go back for one second the main thing that i'm curious about is if you always did view sex as like this sacred thing whether in your own experience or just the concept of it like when you watched porn at that point, did it feel dark? Like, did you feel, or were you just not even thinking about it? Like, 
Because if it, you did feel like it's sacred, like it, whatever kind of porn it is, like it's definitely it's not, not sacred, sacred. You know, yeah, it's dark. <laughs> I think that I I thought of it honestly as like a, a um, physical release. Okay. I thought of it as like you know, um, um, you know, w- w- whatever our partner I'm with, we haven't had sex in a couple of days. Um, I'm feeling kind do. of tense and and wound up, so I'm just going to masturbate to relieve my tension. Um, and then it's interesting what I've found with porn is it's like this vicious cycle of you watch porn to masturbate to release your tension. And not only are you getting plugged into these dark images of porn, but you're also losing your ability to imagine. Sure. And I can, I can remember thinking of times trying to masturbate when I didn't have porn and not really being able to get turned on. My imagination was just like, obliterated mm-hmm. from from consuming porn all the time but i think i started i thought of sex as a sacred thing um always i grew up uh as a as a as a young kid i learned very early to knock on the door of my parents bedroom before i came in because <laughs> my parents they 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 were and are so in love with each other and they they would have sex on a regular basis you know up until i left the house like they they would take showers together in the morning nice. they would hold hands they would kiss in the kitchen um so i always saw i've i never heard my father raise his voice to my mother i'd never heard him say a hurtful mean word to her i'm sure all of this happened but he never did it in front of me or my sister. And so I always grew up seeing a man and woman being very loving and intimate with each other. And so I've never, I've never, um, I, I feel like I've almost never been able to really get turned on by a woman that I did not feel a deep connection and, um, um, Attra- intellectual and spiritual attraction to. So to answer the question, masturbation was to me kind of like, it was just like a mechanical clinical. stress. Yeah, clinical. Mm. Clinical. So that was my relationship um, with porn throughout my life up until the point that I decided to stop it. What was yours? Well, uh, very different actually. I think for me, pornography, because the like the little windows of like an introduction to what it was or finding something in the woods or finding something in that treehouse, like I think it was more – my connection to it was more of curiosity. So – it wasn't something that was in the house. It wasn't something that I was aware of. Like, I mean, maybe like a neighbor kid, like, you know, would say something about their dad's stash or whatever, but like, it wasn't something that I really had much exposure to other than those times where I was, now I know what it is, mm. you know? Right. Um, but I think later on in my life, before I kind of took more of like a stand of like, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. There have definitely been times where I've slipped up and watched porn. I just always felt like, whether in the context of a religious perspective or outside of it, it always felt negative. Right. So I think there's two things. One, anything that I, that I sought out was probably more based in curiosity. But I think at a very young age, once I figured out that I liked girls, um, pornography kind of seemed like not good enough. Because mm. like I knew people watched it, but like to me it was more like, oh, I want to do that right <laughs> i want to go out and have that experience mm-hmm. so like watching porn to me was just kind of like giving up to an extent like which would happen from time to time but like it always felt like oh <laughs> you couldn't go out there and meet somebody you had to sit in a room that was like i think that was always the case like i always mm-hmm. kind of felt 
that way about it. So as a younger guy, I think it was more curiosity. Uh, but even just in like a curiosity phase, like I think you, 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 at least with internet porn, like you open up the floodgates to like what you're exposed to in a very short time. Yeah. You start to see like, oh, whoa, people are watching this? Are you serious? Yeah. I, I, I'm still blown away by like uh, just the categories that exist. Yeah. Um, I've done a deep dive before to yeah. just be like, how bad is it? It's pretty crazy. Like it's it's cra- it, it was startling yes. to me that I'm like, okay, well, how is this affecting a kid who was my age, whose mind was blown by finding a porno magazine in a treehouse? How is a kid that's like that age now, how are they being affected by the crazy filth that they have like right there right. all the time? Even if, even if they have a guard on their phone, some kid that they know doesn't, sure. you know? And so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it is a, it's obviously an industry that is not just going to go away. But I think, uh, I think in general, it's definitely something that we should be thinking about. And, and like the long term, what is the long term effect of this mm-hmm. on society, on people's psychology, um, on our own sexuality? Like you were saying, like you got to a point where you couldn't even get turned on in certain circumstances. Like that's something that's becoming more and more common for kids to <clears throat> grow up with porn available to them, whether they watched or not. And then, you know, whether it's the chicken and the egg thing where it's like maybe that's causing like an unhealthy instinct or vice versa but going out into the world and then trying to replicate stuff that's available to you I think is is definitely something we should consider yeah it's um I I've definitely so so since for the last two years when I've kind of gotten into getting away from porn and I've started to read more about because I, I guess like a positive light in this I mentioned I first heard about this through Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. And then when I met Althea, when I moved here to Asheville and we were talking about things and I told her how I, I didn't watch porn and she was just so uh, grateful. And, I've had that experience too. Yeah. And she yeah. said, I'm so glad that I'm with a man who does not, who does not watch porn. And Althea is a real outlier. She's Never had a social media account. None. Never. No still? MySpace. No nothing. Still has nothing. Oh, and cool. she has never seen internet porn. And uh, wow, she says the you know that just even the idea of it yeah, kind of makes her fresh. want to cry. You know, like the, yeah. the way that it is. But talking to her and starting to read more, I start to notice like there is a movement. Um, uh, I don't know about with women how it manifests, but I know there's definitely a movement within men to, um, break away from, from using porn. And one of the things that I remember reading about this in regards to how you say, like how it's affecting the world is I read a comment from a woman on Twitter and it was so heartbreaking when I read it. She was like maybe 29 years old. And she said that like every adult sexual encounter that she had had, she had to explain to the guy at some point why she didn't like being choked or spit on. <laughs> spit on? Spit on. And what? Yes. And this is a, a this is a common, you know, um, a common presentation in in regular porn. And it's definitely affecting the way men interact with women. But I want to know before we move on to how we think it's affecting society, 
what was there a specific um, thing or moment or uh, do you remember your motivation for saying, okay, now I'm going to make a conscious effort to not look at porn? Um, it's been a while. I think there's been a couple things that <clears throat> contributed to like the way I feel about it now. I think one thing is just like learning about the porn industry, like just learning. I think there's a couple of documentaries on, on Netflix, like life after porn or yeah. something like that. I've watched a couple episodes of two different shows that just talk about like the behind the scenes stuff and like what, what it's like to, to be a porn star. And even if you're successful, like what your life is like after that. So that was something that I, I think also, yeah, just, just knowing more about it um, beyond it just being a concept, but like actually like studying like the industry itself was kind of alarming. Um, but I think also having the experience uh, of communicating to uh, partners that I didn't really watch porn, like maybe occasionally kind of once in a while thing, but like it's not part of my life. And being like struck by their reaction, like so, I would he I would say that like not trying to be impressive or anything like that. I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't really watch porn. Right. Um, and like, getting a reaction of like, what? Really? Every guy I've ever been with watches porn. I'm right. Like, and that to me was kind of mind blowing because, back to like the beginning, like, it was always it always had this context of shame. Yeah. Like you don't talk about it or like if you heard that somebody watched porn, it was like kind of viewed in the same way as like alcohol addiction or something like that. Mm -hmm. So to me, like it wasn't even something that I would talk about. So I think the third factor was talking to other dudes, like just being like, all right, <laughs> I'm curious, like, do you watch porn a lot? Like, mm -hmm. not like a random person on the street, but like just like a friend, like yeah. being curious about, you know, if, if this is how all of the female <clears throat> partners that I, that I encounter, like, this is how they're communicating their perspective of guys in society like I'm curious like the guys that I know like do you guys watch porn what's your relationship with it so I think that third factor was like the the biggest eye-opener for me was realizing that I was abnormal in that like I figured you have a wife or you have a girlfriend or whatever you're, you're dating around um why would you be watching why, why would you be watching porn and then like talking to people who are like who have been married for years and like they watch, whether they watch it with their partner or not, like either way, they're still consuming porn. Like after like, to me, it's like you're married with kids. Like you won the game. Right. <laughs> like, what, right. What, what do you mean? Right. So it was like, you're still using the cheat codes, you know? Right. Um, that was kind of mind blowing. Like, and, and then people thinking that I was weird, um, that I, that I was kind of like getting to the point where I was like, I don't think it's a good thing. Like I feel, not only do I feel negative if I like engage, but it's also like, I'm, I'm talking to people especially women that like feel like it's affecting their sex life. Yeah. Uh, and, and hearing that in contrast to like knowing that I didn't really have a very extensive relationship with it. Like it made me curious to see the other side of it, which is, I think where we're headed is like how it's actually like how it's affecting our society, but also like how it's affecting people in their own sexuality. That's something that like I didn't personally struggle with, mm -hmm. but hearing about other people struggle with it, um, was something that um, made it real. It made it not just something that you read online about. Yeah. Oh, this is affecting you know erectile dysfunction, dysfunction right. or something like that. Like you, you hear about that kind of stuff, but like when you know people that are like, you know, it's affecting their sex life with their wife or their partner yeah. or or their husband, whatever. Yeah. I think that um, 
I think it affects all of us differently, sure. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get on a platform and tell people they shouldn't watch porn. I just think that like where it's headed and what we know about it and the fact that like there's so much of an industry that is at least half of it seems dark. <laughs> yeah. Violent. Yeah. Uh and extremely graphic. I think that's something that like um that has to be affecting our our brain. Yeah, it was um I recently listened to I really wish I had my computer sitting in front of me so that I could search the title because I don't want to get it wrong, but I'll go research it and I'll put it in the show notes. Cool. There's a really interesting um John Ronson podcast documentary called I, I think know. it's called like The Death of April. You would love his stuff. He he wrote the book that the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats was oh, made cool. about. He just goes and interviews all kinds of far out <clears throat> crazy people in extreme situations but he did one about this um porn star who i think maybe in 2017 she committed suicide after being um kind of um piled on on twitter for saying some politically incorrect oh i did hear about this i think it's called the death of april Mm. um but when i was listening to it her a friend of hers in the in the podcast who is a porn producer said that after her death i believe he said he could no longer watch porn and i think then even got out of the industry because he said that he just realized that from top to bottom from cameraman to girl on screen that if you're watching porn you are or if you're producing porn you are making money and getting your enjoyment from top to bottom off of broken people. And, 100%. And he said, you know, 100%. everyone involved in it has been, you know, has sexual abuse or physical abuse or substance abuse or some crazy or just financial triangulation problems. of all three. I don't think it's anybody's first choice. No, maybe, maybe, no. maybe that exists. Maybe somebody really like... <laughs> In a crazy alternate reality, they grew up always wanting to be a porn star. That's right. crazy to me, but I'm not going to say that doesn't exist. But I don't think for most people that was their first option. Yeah, and I, I, I think back to some experiences I had had with um, peer group that I used to be a part of. That the you know kind of at these kind of wild edgy parties, and they would have like porn on a giant screen playing in the background, you know, while music is playing just to kind of be like weird vibe edgy for a and dark. Yeah. Uh, and I remember someone making a, a terrible joke that just always struck me and it, and it still strikes me and it, it's so dark. I even hesitate to say it, but the, but okay. this person said, you know, I only, my favorite porns are the ones where I can see the look in the girl's eye that the person standing behind the camera is holding her passport in his hand. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. That doesn't even seem like, okay. How's that a thing? Who thought that was a thing? And then who saw that and was like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, I think these people, they were smart people and they were kind of edgy people and they definitely knew that sex trafficking went on in the porn industry and they were just making what they considered to be kind of like gallows humor or a dark joke. I don't think that's actually how they felt. Um, I think they were just making a dark joke, but it, it struck me so hard. And it was one of these things I, I often think about like 
these um, spiritual time bombs that get dropped into my system that they don't go off immediately, but after a while it, it, it explodes and then I can't ignore it anymore. And that was one. And I remember, you know, about two years ago when I stopped watching porn was like, okay, there is no way that I can know when I'm, when I'm watching porn on the internet, there's no way that I can know that this person has not been trafficked. There's no way that I can know that this person exactly. is engaging in this on their of their own free will. And how can I claim to be or or desire to be a moral man if I'm engaging in something like that and I can't know that the person at the other end of the camera is not a sex slave? Well, I mean the the age-old joke about it like that's somebody's daughter like obviously is still true, but I think it's also like, that's a person. Yeah. That's a person with a story. And like, what? How did that happen? And like, once you think about that, like you can't unthink that. Like you were saying, it's a, it's, it's, it's a time bomb. For me, I think pornography in general, like the first distaste of it was feeling like I was saying it, it felt kind of more like, well, I want to go have sex. Like I don't want to watch somebody else have sex. Like, right. So like to me, it was always like the feeling of like, the first negative feeling was about like almost I'd be embarrassed to talk about it or like feeling like creepy or something. And and the analogy that I've always said, it's like, it's like if you were at the bar and you saw like a really attractive couple, they start making out, start like holding hands or whatever. It'd be like once they leave the bar, you followed them home and jerked off in the background while they have sex. Right. That's exactly what it is. Only it's worse because there's tons of other dudes doing it too. Right, right. And so it always felt lame. Like it always felt like, oh, well, if I ever did that, I would never want to talk about it. I would never want to admit that. Yeah. Um, and then I started realizing not just was it kind of creepy and weird. It was also like dangerous, um, but kind of, I mean, in general, like very dark. Like the, the, the place... Um, like you were saying, like whether you're, you're in the porn or you're just connected to it in general, like nothing that's been reported has been positive. Right. Right. And even if you're a star, <clears throat> there's a shelf life and then what? Right. And then what is the remainder of your life? Like what are the aftershocks, the psychological aftershocks? What can you not do? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's, um, it's one of the things that I remember you and I talking about one day on the grocery aisle and, and I was telling you, I think that, you know, that there were all of the, you know, kind of <clears throat> practical reasons that I had for stopping porn, you know, mainly the I one think we being, start talking about that. I don't, even I really remember. don't know how that, I mean, I don't talk about pornography at work ever. Yeah. I, I think, I a... think, um, because I've had this same conversation with our good friend, Dave Kavnar, who's mm. also given up porn largely for the same reasons. And, um, there's a movement for sure. Yeah. And Dave and I, uh, had talked about doing a podcast on it. And then I think I was talking to you about doing telling that. you that Dave and I were planning mm. to do a podcast. And then well, you he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where is he at? He's tattooing uh, pig's feet. I know. I'm um, watching him do it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that we had talked about on the grocery aisle was the way in which, you know, there were the practical things that I noticed in my life, like the ways in which I do not objectify women to the degree that I previously had since I stopped watching porn. And I, I, I noticed the but way in while which, having sex or in general, just bo- women in both, general. Both. Okay, cool. Um, uh, 
and the way in which it had changed like my fantasy life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like one of the things that went away was this fantasy of ejaculating on a woman's body or something like that. After about a year of not watching porn, that was kind of like, wow, that was a weird thing that was I was really noticeable wanted when to you, do. when you realized that you weren't fantasizing the same way, like, was there like a specific moment or do you feel like it was just little by little you were like, Oh, I was the trash person. <laughs> I think, yeah, right, right, right. I think it was a kind of a cumulative effect. The thing that I did really notice starkly is that um, I would notice, you know, previously when I would see uh, an attractive woman walk by, mm-hmm. that there was like this very um, animalistic kind of lust urge in me. That I would think about. And I've noticed, not that I cease to notice attractive women. I I absolutely do. But it's, it does not have that frequency. Uh, The, you know, it's not, it's not vibrating on that animalistic frequency. Of course. Of course. And I noticed that. It's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, But we had talked about like these deeper, I talk about them as like the, the spiritual dangers of porn, the way in which they, the, the way in which I think watching for your entertainment something that is, you know, very likely being made by a completely emotionally broken person, maybe even a sex slave. Like what if it's possible, that does. <laughs> that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. And what that does to one's soul mm. to engage in that. Like uh, what it does. And that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about. It's like the what we see is like some of the um, dangers or harms to the society and the culture um, with the just prevalence of this kind of, you know, deeply dark depraved, depraved thing. Well, and, and depravity is, has become its own turn on now. Like the, the most fucked up thing you can see, like that's what's turning people on. Right. Because it's bad, because it's dark, because whatever. Right. Um, that's a dangerous do you think it's be because well. porn pushes the envelope? It's like, okay, before I was... I think there's a dark relationship going on there in general mm-hmm. because somebody's consuming it, otherwise it wouldn't be being made. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, I think uh, the fact that it's a thing is a reflection on the state of at least a vast population's mind and their perspective on sex and women or men. I think... Um, Ideally, you don't want to look at a sexual partner as, as an object. I think that's pretty basic. Right. But I think there's no way to participate in whatever way in porn without supporting that type of mentality. Whether yeah. it's the guy, whether it's the girl, or, or, or whatever. I, I, there's no way to participate in pornography without participating in the fact that these people are being objectified. Right. In whatever kind of porn it is. Right. Just in general. Right. So I think uh, I, I I think for mo- for most people, one they probably just don't think about it because like I don't think anybody would watch. Well, maybe some people. But I don't. I don't think anybody that I know that watches porn is a bad person. Right. Right. Um, I I don't think that they're watching it because there's some dark depraved. But but the thing is, it's like we should be asking like, what are we fantasizing about? Like right. for you, is like you know honestly pretty mild like ejaculating on a, on a woman's face like is graphic right but nowadays not really right you know right. and so i think 
if you're not, what kind of person do you want to be? Right? right. So like, what kind of man do you want to be? At least for me, that's what I have to ask. What kind of lover do I want to be? What kind of partner do I want to be? And so if the way that I am while watching a porn is definitely not the kind of way that I want to think about a partner. Right. And how am I going to fantasize in that way? Like, why am I pretending to be this guy that does whatever uh, to the girls in a, in, a, in a porno? Like, why would I pretend fantasize to be that guy when I don't want to be like that? Right. When I, when I don't want to treat a partner like that. Right. Um, and so I think maybe there's a lot of people that are just not thinking of it that way. Yeah. Um, and so they're not, they're not aware of how it's affecting them. And maybe they would defend and be like, it, it, it's keeping me from doing bad things. I've had an argument with (laughs) several people about why I think it should be at least, at least more censored. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I was surprised by how combative it got, not because, you know, we're still friends and all that, but like. I was surprised by like how much resistance was coming up about me just saying that like oh I don't think that there should be rape simulation porn I don't I don't think that there should be anything that uh, that mimics a crime or violence or you know associating violence with porn like whatever your kinks are that's fine that's your business I'm not trying to get in your business but I'm saying if a kid these days has access to like shaping their whole perspective on sexuality and associating that with being turned on by some form of violence, yeah. What what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting uh, point, and something else that we have talked about a couple of times when we've talked about this. Um, I think there's some really interesting multiple ways that I have ex- also experienced pushback from people um, when when I talk about this kind of stuff, and and. Um, uh, there's the weird way in which, and this isn't a fully worked out idea in my head, but it is something that I'm trying to fully work out by talking and writing about it. But I think there's this real um, dark thing that has occurred where somehow women, somehow it is being taught that there is something sexually liberating for women to watch porn, be involved in porn, be involved in stripping. Um, These kinds of things are seen as, you know, a a woman taking control of her power. And, you know, it's almost like they're, they are a a feminist, it's a feminist cause. Um, And there's also the, there's also this weird thing that I've noticed in the culture building over the last five years where when you were talking earlier about what kind of man do I want to be and there seems to be this rising tide of sneering at people attempting to morally ethically spiritually elevate themselves oh yeah like you're a prude like, no, I just don't want to be a piece of shit. Right, right, That's right. not being a prude. That's right. like, hey, I don't want to look at women like that. Right, right. And that's crazy to people. That that blows people's minds. So I'm sitting back going, wait, why am I the one that's weird here? Yeah. That's kind of alarming. Yeah, yeah. These, these guys are, are dating my sisters or dating my friends or whoever. Like, yeah. They're out there dating people that I might care about and like they don't care. 
Right. They don't care. Right. That's something to think about for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I it's um, when you talk about the thing of, of I was kind of shocked the first time I encountered this was maybe a month ago on Twitter, um, a conservative um, journalist that I follow on Twitter was was saying, you know, he was actually coming out and saying that he thought porn should be illegal, that, it, that there should be actual bans on porn. And I'm not sure how I feel about I, I'm I'm I tend in the direction of being an absolutist when it comes to freedom of expression and speech. Uh, but I, level, yeah. But I also recognize that the, the whole thing we said with um, potential sexual slavery and trafficking, apparently this is a or, huge... Or, or sex, sex crimes in general. Yes. And this is a huge dimension of... of modern day human trafficking is people who are being trafficked in the in the porn industry and so when you start looking at things like that um i i think i don't think it's crazy to talk about um thinking about legal uh, gates to protect people from things like this to protect people that are involved in the industry to protect consumers who don't want to be consuming um those kinds of things uh but i've definitely you de i think you definitely encounter i don't know there's a weird thing with modern people or with people of our peer group generation who um one seem to have bought into the idea that it's like we all recognize that traditionally religion a lot of people's traditional religion has given them negative attitudes about sex mm -hmm. negative attitudes about their body unhealthy unhealthy in general, <laughs> in general. And so then that turns into any kind of restriction of sex is, is negative or not good. Well, of course there has to be some balance, but I think the real question is not a, I mean, I think, yeah, we should be protecting the sex worker. Right. Um, but the, the follow the trail, it's kind of who's making it. And who are they making it for? It's not for the women. Right. So it's like right. if I care and I advocate for the girl or the woman who's in the pornography, like, and I want, I care, I, I need to care about her as a person. Then the only way to really do that is by like not supporting the industry. Because who, the, if, if, if porn was for women, and I'm sure that exists too, I'll keep my mouth shut. But as long as it's for disgusting sweaty men yeah and being produced by disgusting sweaty men i'm gonna have a problem with it yeah 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 so i'm gonna pause the recording right now and we're just gonna start because we're almost at the hour point but i want to pick right back up where we're at all right so we took a quick pause there refreshed our drinks and yes. we are back so um one of the at the the last end of that segment, you had said something that made me think, um, and then we'll get into the question that you wanted to sure. ask me. Um, over the last few years, I have been thinking mm -hmm. more and more about the role of men in society and what it means to be a a righteous man and and what it what it should mean to be a man and what what role men have as protectors and defenders and um, leaders and, and 
and things like that. And I just wonder what, um, I just wonder if you're thinking around porn, if you see any reflection in that, like, do you, do you feel a, like I myself feel a calling and a need, which is why I'm recording this with you. I feel a calling and a need as a man to, um, try to have this conversation with other men and and with women and but but especially for men and for boys the, the majority have, of people are consuming porn. yes have a conversation about the ways in which we are really not living up to um our uh responsibility and roles uh when we do engage in this kind of um kind of like a um a um would you call it like a a profaning of sexuality um, well, I think in general, uh, sex has been used to sell stuff, um, my whole life, um, sexuality or sensuality. So I don't think that there's any way to really take that away from being intertwined with our society. Um, but I think pornography has almost weaponized sexuality in a different way than just trying to get you to buy something like because this girl looks sexy I think it's more like specifically shaping and at least um, expressing a specific perspective of what sexuality is and what it could be or what it should be or any of that or what people should be able to do right on the internet at least um I guess for me, I'm not really trying to get people to just up and stop watching porn because of all the reasons that I think it's bad. Um, I don't. I don't know if I think we've talked about this before, but I I'm not drinking for a year, uh, starting back on my birthday. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's like 120 something. And a lot of people ask me like, "Oh, did you identify as an alcoholic?" or was there a specific reason why you wanted to stop drinking? And and honestly, there's a lot of different reasons, and that's not what we're here to talk about. But it's very similar in my approach, which was basically, I don't think, I don't really believe that I'm never going to drink again, mm-hmm. that I'll never have alcohol again. I think I wanted to, for some financial goals, for some spiritual goals, for some physical goals, I wanted to just subtract it from my life and from my practice and from like you know whether it's just decompressing at the end of the day or going out for somebody's birthday i wanted to eliminate it from my life so that i could reevaluate my relationship with it if i'm going to add it back into my life i want to have a very clear perspective of what my life looks like without it yeah um and so i think my goal on on the topic of pornography especially in our society is not really to be like we should make it illegal and we should censor this and this and this maybe my real goal is to get people to really just think about it differently and reevaluate their relationship with it. Because if you cut it out for a while, as you were saying, like it started to affect the things that you fantasize about. It started to, in a positive way. Right. It started to kind of let loose of this uh, aggressive, uh, maybe even borderline violent or graphic uh, imagery that we have in our heads in reference to sexuality and that started to like loosen its hold on you which i think is kind of an interesting perspective because you're like well, what does that even mean like right. had a hold on me right but of course it did because every time you had sex that's somewhere back in the sure in the background of 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 
what your wheelhouse is, and right. what you think about, what you associate with sexuality. That all matters. That's all there. So if you just took it out of your life for a while and just observed yourself in your sex life, in the way you look at women, and you meet a woman that you're attracted to, like the thoughts that are either there or not there, like just see how it affects your life. Yeah. And then if you're going to still watch porn, if you're still okay with it, then add it back into your life. But right. at least take a break from it. See how you feel. See how it's affecting you. Um, I think that would be a good start. I think that'd be a really good place for people to approach uh, the topic in general. Right. It's not like, oh, you have to stop watching porn because it's horrible and here's why. And if you don't agree with me, you suck. I think it's more about like, hey, if you're not thinking about it, here's a bunch of things that you should think about. And if you're going to continue doing it, at least you have a very clear understanding of why you're doing it and what role it actually is playing in your life. Yeah, that's a really, uh, I think a really good way to approach things. When we had um, Gnostic Church on Sunday, we were celebrating the start of Lent. And I was talking about, um, you know, like I had gone to one of the um, Roman Catholic churches here for Ash Wednesday, and I was lamenting at how <coughs> beautiful the ritual to me of Ash Wednesday is. But then when the priest started talking, I was just like, oh, this is, this is why <laughs> I took you out of it. Because it was all very much like, you know, we are all terrible, fallen, horrible <laughs> sinners who need to repent of yeah. all the evil that we've done. And there's a certain way that I do connect to that where I'm like, you know what? It, there are lots of ways that I'm fucked up and that I'm not meeting the highest mark that I think God has intended for me. But to me, Lent is much more about um, attempting to find habitual things that sure. I do and one, develop willpower, which I think is actually a technology for immortality, but we can talk about that later. Oh. Uh, developing willpower around a thing and for what you said, like taking something out of your life to really assess its impact on your life. Because you can't really get what the impact is fully when you're completely immersed in it. In a physical way, it's the only way to know that your body is re responding to something, an elimination diet. Like think of it as like a spiritual or just a uh, a day-to-day -day elimination diet in just your own life. Because if, you're, if your body is reacting, I have a lot of allergies. So if I don't cut certain things out of my diet, it shows up in very tangible ways. Right. And so for me, I think that's easy to, to wrap your mind around in a physical context. But I think in a spiritual context, or even if you don't believe in that, in a mental context, like wh whatever way, whatever you're consuming is affecting you, whether you know it or not. Right. So eliminating it from your life is going to give you a whole lot of data that you didn't even know you needed on how it's affecting you simply by taking it out. Right. Much like gluten or dairy, right. you're only going to know how your body is going to feel without it to go in order to it. actually know if you want it. Yes, yes. And that, that was, and, and this I think will segue into the thing that we were talking about in the break. Um, because we, we've largely been focusing on the negative sides of pornography, and there's plenty of that to talk about. But um, it would be good to also um, put some focus on the, some of the positive sides of eliminating it from the diet. Like yes. some of the things that one starts to 
to recognize. And, and you had brought something up in the break that you had asked me if it was okay to yeah, ask yeah. about during the, the podcast. And I said, sure. So let's, let's jump into that. Like, so, uh, something stood out to me a little while back where you had mentioned um, that Althea, um, your partner has never seen internet porn. Right. And to me, that's awesome. Right. But I, the thing that's, that stood out to me is internalizing that and be like, well, what would I be like if I had never seen porn or, or at least never seen internet porn and never been exposed to like some of the crazy things that I've seen yeah. over the years? Um, what kind would that change my sex life? Would that change the way that I make love to a woman? Yeah. Would that change the way that I interact with a woman? Like yeah. if I could, if I could go back and wipe away any time that I had ever seen or come across something, like how would that change me? So the question that stood out to me is, uh, you you had also mentioned that you know former former partners like you either watch porn together or you were aware of each other consuming porn on your own and it wasn't just not a big deal but if now if you're experiencing intimacy with with a woman who has never had that right almost like uh making love to somebody with a clean slate that yeah. has to be immensely uh, different that has to stand out in a way and so i was just curious um how it's affected your own sex life uh, being with somebody who who does have kind of that uh, clean slate purity yeah. that I think the uh, the church and religion strives for. But even outside of that context, I think there's something to be said of of never being tainted with that mm. kind of um, that kind of exposure. Right? So I, I, would, I would have to think that I know how it would affect me. Yeah. So I, I would be curious to see how it's affecting your relationship. Yeah, it's so. Um... It's a really fascinating. It's a really fascinating thing, and there's there's um, there's so many ways that my relationship with Althea is so different than um, any relationship I've ever had before. Primarily because we both consciously came into our relationship as wanting to use relationship as. Um, as an alchemical vessel for spiritual mm -hmm. transformation. So we totally. attempt to very consciously engage in relationship as spiritual practice. And honestly, a big part of that for me um, was learning to deepen my um, erotic sensitivities, really. Because... Well, what? Well, so this is interesting. While Althea has never um, consumed internet porn, she also used to throw um, what she called sensualist or fetish parties I you said in Asheville, where yeah, where people would come and maybe there would be like you know some like rope bondage or experimenting at with, a party. Yeah, yeah, okay. experimenting with like um, different physical sensation or you know a particular kind of dress or. Um, uh, just different elements of sensuality. So she has a very deep and subtle appreciation for for the sensual and the sexy and the erotic, which and, is explorative and explorative. And I and my sex life with Althea is so much deeper and more satisfying um, than anything I I have ever experienced. And I think one of the reasons. I think there's many reasons, but one of the reasons, and I had heard 
um, <clears throat> someone who was talking about pornography made this amazing point to me that, that made it click into my head why, or one of the reasons why my sexual relationship now is so much more sexy than a porn-driven sexual it's relationship. cool thing to be able to say. Yeah. And it's because, you know, they were, they were, this person that I was reading was talking about the difference between erotic art and pornography. Oh, huge difference. He was talking about the root word eros and this idea of that seeing erotic art makes you want to connect with the other. I think this is how we ended up talking about it at work. Yeah. I think we were talking about the difference between. Um, I don't know how it came up still, but I, I think it, that was the that was the connection was talking about art or talking about like nudity in general and like the difference between how degrading it can be presented and like a pornography in contrast to, you know, a, a sculpture or right. a painting or right. something that we would call beautiful right. or at least impressive. You know, a naked body is the common ground, but those are totally different things. I think it's what you know, and it's it's really kind of beautiful. You you can see a lot of this in Asheville, but there's a lot of it around the country. It's kind of making a renaissance. Is like burlesque. It's like Actually, seeing yeah. burlesque versus going to the strip club, right? It's a totally different experience. Um, burlesque is sexy. It's playful. It teases with nudity without being vulgar with nudity. Um, it's fun. It's funny. It's warm. It's it's comical. It's, comical. it's innocent. I, and I'm also not, I'm a not little super dirty. familiar with it. Yeah. I, I just know that if I had to choose between what's one one sounding uh, a little bit, I don't even know if I would use the word wholesome, but like. Yeah. One definitely feels a lot dirtier. Yes, and I think what the author that I was reading was talking about the erotic arts actually bring you together with the other, whereas pornography drives this wedge of objectification to where you don't ever really fully identify and connect with an object. It's always outside of you. It's There's always a wall between you and an object. Um, oh, that's interesting. But with a, you know, what I've found is with a, with a deep spiritual sexual connection. And of course, you know, I, I've been involved in spirituality since I was really young. I've read about these concepts all the time sure. about, you know, losing the sense of self in other at the point of orgasm or during sex or, you know, enjoying sexual. Well, thinking of it as an actual union. Right, and it actually being a union as opposed to I am a man doing something to a woman that gives me pleasure or Absolutely. I'm getting pleasure out of giving her pleasure or I'm getting pleasure out of seeing the scene of her body or some, something like that. Um, there is this erotic spiritual connection where you know the line starts to blur between self and other. And there's there's this weird mystical um, uh, connection that's there, and I've found that in our um, romantic and, and sexual relationship, there is such a deepness and richness that I never, I never had before, even when trying to have it, and I think a lot of that is just. You know, she is someone with a very subtle, um, it's kind of like, you know, um, someone who 
really appreciates wine, mm-hmm. right? And they can they can take a sip of a good red wine and they can give you all of these different descriptors about what it feels like on the front of the tongue and the middle of the tongue and the, how it is on the finish and, you know, if it's fruit forward or jammy or sweet and what the difference between mm-hmm. all those things are versus someone who's like buying two buck chuck and just drinking to get drunk. Oh, so you're saying right? your lover is gourmet. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, it's, That's awesome. it's like a, a cliche thing to say or maybe even a little bit corny and romantic, but yeah. it's beautiful too. Sure. And so I feel like um, having having a partner who has not been exposed to a lot of that stuff um, uh, just creates a, a or, or provides a field um, for a certain richness. Uh, I think it brings back the whole sacred before. vibe in yeah. general. Like somebody who's more in touch with sexuality being more sacred in general, sharing an experience with somebody who also has that perspective can unlock all kinds of cool things. Right. Um, I, I mean, uh, one of the things that, that comes to mind is like, you know, the, one of the earlier things that I remember hearing is there's a difference between, I think it might have been my older brother or something. But um, there's a difference between fucking and making love. Right. And I remember hearing that like really early on. Um, and, you know, of course, I'm not going to say that there's something wrong with just fucking. Like people can do whatever they want and like with their own bodies with a consenting adult, like, go for it. Right. Um, but there definitely is something noticeable. Um, there's a noticeable difference between just having a sexual experience with another person, kind of more in that same perspective that you had said earlier, of like, I'm a person doing a thing to another person or having something done to me by another person instead of, um, I think that's kind of more like that context of like just fucking or whatever, which again, that's fine. Sure. But I think there's something much deeper and much more... Uh, intimate and much more actually um, involving much more than a physical realm uh, when you're able to connect with somebody on a deeper level and when that foundation is love I think that actually that actually can be something pretty magical yeah and definitely definitely um and there's also you know there's the corollary of what you were saying like you don't know you know, you don't know what the substance, what effect the substance is really having on you until you kind of take it out. Sure. Um, the other thing that I, that's been a lot of fun to explore over the last two years without pornography is like discovering <clears throat> the things that really do turn me on, that turn me on organically. That it's not like I'm seeing it depicted <laughs> in a show or reading it in a magazine, but it's something that's deep deep inside me and it's been it's real it's real and they're they're and it's not coming from something else it's coming from you exactly it's not like you know because there's this you had said something earlier where we were talking kind of like the chicken and egg egg thing and it's something people talk about a lot with like retail stuff like well you know there's only you know there's only what product x because people want product x so so product x exists but there's also this side of things where marketing creates the desire for product x right like you you maybe didn't even know you had a desire for something until you start seeing commercials for it and it kind of like programs that desire into you i think this is edging on the most important reason why i have the perspective that i have on porn um of course, we've touched on like how it affects, you know, it can shape your perspective of sexuality at a young age, um, how much 
exposure kids have, how, how easy it is for, you know, whether it's getting around a parental guidance thing or knowing a kid from across. I mean, we knew, we both knew kids across the street right. whose parents had porn. Nowadays, a smartphone is a computer. Yes. And almost every kid, at least at that age, has a computer yes. all the time. So, like, yes. that's way different. Yes. Um, but I think, I think for, I don't even remember where I was headed with that. Um, We're talking about um, marketing creating the design. Oh, yes. I think it's very, very concerning, the, not just how easy it is to, to gain access to graphic pornography, but also what's being sold. Um, so if you, if you're a kid and you've never had sex with somebody and then you, you get online and you look on, I don't know, Pornhub or whatever, uh, and you just kind of are looking around and you don't really know what you're looking for, but it's all a bunch of naked people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the right place. But, you know, very, very quickly you can be exposed to something pretty crazy. Yeah. For me, it was a big deal to, to climb into a treehouse and see a boob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for a kid who's just curious about what pornography is totally different ball game. Now. Yeah. Um, so I think the thing that is very, very concerning to me is, um, it's long-term effect, of course, on, on somebody's individual psychology, but I think in general, the biggest concern would be how it would affect long-term, uh, interpersonal, uh, encounters especially you know i want to have kids at some point like the world that i would raise kids in is going to be crazier than it is now if we yeah. don't you know step in and, and do something about it yeah um so i think in general the thing that first got me thinking about uh, the level of severity it could get to is considering you know there's so many documentaries and podcasts on uh, crime nowadays and so there's like this obsessive curiosity of like you know serial killers or rapists and all these things like that we're we're hearing about like people doing crazy things in society and i had to ask well i don't know if that's on the rise but at least what we're becoming aware of is on the rise yeah and where does that start where somebody who who does something horrific something crazy involving a sex crime where did that person start on the path to becoming that monster? Yeah. And so to me, I think the biggest concern is people have been raping other people for a long time, but is it going to be affected more positively uh, by pornography or more negatively? I would argue for a lot of good reason that it's going to be, it's going to be contributing to the wrong side of it. Um, the argument that I ended up having with that friend that I mentioned before was specifically about this. Um, I was postulating that if somebody who already has the inclination or, you know, I don't know, trauma or something happened in their, their young life that led them to being the kind of person that could rape somebody, um, that's crazy to me, but obviously it's happening. Yeah. Um, how does that person become that person? Right. And so to me knowing that that's already existed in society without internet porn, looking at it now in our present society, if you have that same type of kid who not only has something in their mind or their brain that would allow them to harm somebody in a sexual context or, or at all, now they have the opportunity to get online and fantasize about it to a very graphic degree. Now think about what I said when I was first exposed to the idea of pornography. I said I was curious about it, right? right. So once I had exposure to it and I saw it and I, and I, the first time I ever saw internet porn 
what did I want to do? I wanted to go out and have sex. I wanted to go do the, the stuff that I was seeing. But in real life, I didn't want to just be in the corner <laughs> jerking off to the strangers. Right. I wanted to go out and meet a, meet somebody. Right. Uh, so to the kid who has already shown or maybe hasn't shown inclinations to a darker side um, and, and is the kind of temperament, is the kind of person that could commit a sex crime, you're giving that kid at a very, very young, impressionable age access to thousands and thousands and thousands of crazy dark simulation. What are they going to do? They're eventually going to be like, oh, cool, this is turning me on or whatever it is. But, if, but how long does that last? How long does it last that they're fantasizing to a rape simulation porn or a gangbang porn or whatever it is until they get to the point where they want to do what I wanted to do and, and go out and, and duplicate what they saw. So for me, it was just having sex. For this kid, it's going and hurting somebody. Yeah, and you can see plenty of um, you know, interviews and research about um, you know, serial killers and sexual predators, and I almost feel like it is a universal that they talk about it starting with porn and then the porn gets increasingly violent and then the porn as it does enough and then they go out and um uh we're getting we're coming up on an hour and a half and i want to start to to wrap it up (laughs) but it occurs to me something when you were saying that and this i think this will provide an introduction for having you back on for something else that i want to talk about with you but um I, I've been doing some study of uh, Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, and mm-hmm. I've been studying with a, a Hasidic rabbi, and he Here's was home? talking about, no, he's actually in Jerusalem, but I've oh, been wow. studying okay. with him online, and uh, shout out to Rav Katz. Uh, Age of the internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's blessing and curse. Yep, yep. But he was talking about the ideas of the what people nowadays call like the law of attraction, mm-hmm. right? And he oh, was dude. saying that this is actually in the Ten Commandments. And when the Ten Commandments talk about not coveting your neighbor's wife or his property, um, and the the rabbi didn't say the part about Jesus, but I thought about when Jesus talks about, you know, that it's not actually just committing the act of adultery, like thinking about the act is fantasizing. And the way the rabbi explained this is through the law of attraction. And he says, like, what you think about you ultimately create the reason that the Bible from the mystical perspective tells you not to covet your neighbor's wife and his property is that like we are linked into the divine and our thoughts have power. Oh, you mean like manifesting? Yes. You, you are, you are starting the process of stealing that from your creating it into a reality. Yes. And I think that, um, I think that this is one of the, the, really dark aspects that you're that you're talking about um in the way that the fantasy life of porn um and the way it is just uh you know driven by more and more and more and more extreme um that it 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 quickly leads to um you know really negative places so i think both john and i would recommend particularly any men but women too who are listening to this um pick 30 days and and take a break from it hey you, you might realize that you can't and then and that's something to think and about. that's something to think about i recently took um all social media apps off my phone for Ooh. lint and one of the things i noticed how's it going within 10 minutes of doing it 
is how anxious I felt. Dude, like when you're in a public space, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I don't or, know. Or, be there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so one of the things that you might recognize attempting to go 30 days without porn is that you can't do it. Hmm. And that provides you with a very interesting question to start asking yourself. And then if you are able to do it, I have no doubt that any man who is listening to this and takes a 30 day break from porn will see a profound um, shift in their mind state and their sexual life. And I would tell the women who are listening to this, demand more from your men. Um, I think one of the things that I've noticed about spiritual relationship is uh, there's a lot of ways in which um, women act as nature for men. You know, humans are the only primate where the woman does the sexual selecting. She chooses who her mate Mm -hmm. is. You can't tell from the outside looking at a human woman if she's fertile or not. Like it's, she can conceal that. She chooses who she mates with. Women act as nature for men. And women should do that, I think, in relationship. Like if you want a partner that doesn't engage in pornography, you should demand a partner that doesn't engage in pornography. You should, you should, um, we need women to make us better men. We need women yeah. to, to yeah, hold us to a higher standard. I think, I think if I were to suggest anything to somebody listening, it would also, it would also involve thinking about the, the way that you value a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, and maybe you don't, but if your goal is to be the best possible man you can be or the best possible dating partner or husband or whatever, whatever role you are in, if, you, if your real goal, your real desire is to be the best version of that, just ask yourself if that best version of yourself is somebody who watches porn. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, John, thanks for coming over. I've been wanting to do this with you for a yeah, while. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do it. I want to do it again. Absolutely. Talking about some other spirituality things. Uh, there's a long list. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And uh, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. That wraps up Modern Gnostic number eight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you're liking the podcast, it'd be really great if you threw us some support. All you got to do is like it wherever you're listening. Hit that subscribe button and share it with your friends. I love doing these podcasts for you guys. I love watching the data, seeing the numbers as people listen. And I love it when you reach out to me and tell me what you think. Uh, You can find me on social media. You can find the Modern Gnostic page on Facebook. You can send me, Nate, uh, send me messages on either place. I love talking to people about this stuff. I love hearing your ideas and your feedback. And I'm really open to hearing what people would like to hear us do episodes on. So throw us some likes, subscribe, share it with your friends, and stay tuned for the next episode.